Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is by guest speaker Michael Keefe from Compassion Australia. This morning is Compassion Sunday, and I love Compassion Sunday. Uh, Michael Keefe is a great guy. He's doing some great work with Compassion. Um, But we partner with them, and we, of course, have many children that we sponsor in a village in the Philippines, and that is in tandem with, of course, the ministry of Adoy and Gaga that we support in Bobom. So uh, if you could open your hearts this morning as Michael shares with us the wonderful work that Compassion has been doing, as well as his heart concerning that. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Pastor Sean. It's good to be here again with you this morning and uh, great to see you in your own building here as well. Uh, last time I was with you, we weren't, you weren't here yet and so um, this, is, this is fantastic. I'm sure you're enjoying it. It's great and uh, good on you for faithfully believing God for this as, as a church and, and seeing what God does. Um, the church that I attend uh, up in North Lakes, we currently meet in, a, um, in the Performing Arts Centre in a school and we're believing we're going to get a building. We've been uh, raising money for it. We don't have nearly enough yet but we know, hey, God is... God's the God of miracles, God's the God that is able to provide and so we're believing for that and in our church as well and so yeah, it's encouraging to come and visit a church that's been through the journey that we're hoping to go on uh, soon as well. <clears throat> Real joy to be here with you this morning. Um, just want to share with you, um, I guess, a few things and firstly start by, by thanking you as a church for your partnership with Compassion. Um, I was one of one of the favourite parts of my role uh, with Compassion is seeing churches go on a journey where they're they're partnering together with Compassion to see uh, children released from poverty in Jesus' name. And so, um, to date so far, if we can go to the next slide, we uh, uh, spon- you sponsor uh, twenty two children through Compassion's ministry collectively, uh, or indiv- many individuals doing that, but uh, collectively as a church, uh, ten boys and and twelve girls so far, and um, that that's just fantastic. And so. Uh, Thank you for that. Many of them are, are in the Philippines. Um, I think if we can go to the next slide, we've got some pictures of them. Um, it's the, uh, the the bulk of the children that are sponsored in the uh, in the Philippines are in a, in a city tour uh, called Tagbilaran City uh, on the island of Bohol, and uh, I've actually been there myself. One of the children I personally sponsor um, is, is from Bohol, and uh, got to see the work of compassion there. And Bohol's a, a fairly sizable. Um, Oh, it's not a huge city, but it's not small either. Um, and there's some there's some nice areas to the city, but you don't actually have to go very far at all to to see real poverty, to see uh, people that are <clears throat> in a, a really tough circumstance. Visiting my own uh, sponsor child, uh, Gian, uh, who's there, and his family. You know, visit their home. It was it was quite small. The the downstairs was about the size of of the stage there, and and there was a, a second floor above it with just uh, a bamboo flooring there where they all slept and downstairs was the kitchen and um and and their their very small living area in a space about that size there and um you know part of the wall and on one of the walls was crumbling like it was very very poor circumstances that they live in but it was so encouraging as I visited a number of the projects um, around uh, Tagbilaran City to see God at work through the local church and through the, the Compassion Projects, which are all at the local church, to see the kids receiving the benefit they do, to, to see them at the program, um, <clears throat> getting fed every time they go there, having, having really uh, good nutritious meals, uh, see, seeing all the, the things that took place there was, was 
was really, really encouraging. I remember visiting one particular church and um, they showed us the project and everything that they were doing and, and the kids that they were ministering to. And then they, they said, oh, follow us. We want to show you something. And they didn't tell us where we were going. And, <clears throat> and we walked uh, uh, probably a kilometer from where the church was and we came to this uh, community that was living um, over the water. And so we were walking over uh, thin planks and I, I have... Um, bad balance at the best of times. I'm likely to trip over my own feet between here and the back door. Um, and so I was quite nervous walking out over these thin planks because it started to get higher and higher and talking about a two, three metre drop and um, <clears throat> into shallow water, but sh- shallow water that was also where all their sewage was. There was no sewage system there. It's also where all their rubbish was. And I'm like, if I fall here, uh, my next trip is to the hospital. Like That's where I'm going. <clears throat> um, not just through injuries I would have sustained through the fall, but also what I would have landed in. Um, and, and watching little children walking around on all this, and I, I was just like, it, it was it was real poverty. And we walk all the way through, um, right out to the edge of it, uh, the highest point out, out in the ocean, which was quite high by now, probably you know a good four meters high um, uh, above the water, which they had to, to 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 not get flooded when the the rains came in. And uh, the church, they took me there and they came to this little building, probably about half the size of of this auditorium out there, um, and it was a church that they'd planted um, in the middle of this sort of above water you could call it a slum community and it was a it was actually a, a Muslim community there and they had planted a church in the midst of it and their uh, the pastor was the <clears throat> the first convert that they had saved in this community and they'd trained him up um, to to be a pastor and he uh, had previously not been able to read but they taught him how to read by reading the Bible with him and that's how he learned to read and he was now pastoring this church and and they were now looking at enrolling a lot of these children in the compassion program and having an outreach for that there and I'm just like I was just I was just blown away just visiting a number of projects on this island at the the heart of the local church because the compassion project is all run out of the local church um, their heart to reach people with the gospel um, their heart to help those who are who are in the greatest need in their community and they were making a significant impact there and so can I say to you firstly thank you for your support but secondly the impact is is really significant um, in, in what you're doing in in, um, in that area um, and so thank you for that and encourage you to continue that if we can go to the, the next slide. Uh, so in the last 12 months, 94 letters have gone back and forth between you and the children. Um, the children are winning. Uh, they've written 62 letters to your 32. Uh, so they're winning at the moment, but you can catch them. Um, you, you, you can get there with the letter writing. Can I really encourage you to write letters to your, your children? The impact on uh, on for them, the encouragement that the letters are is huge. It, it really is. Um, I met a man, uh, he's about my age, but he was formally sponsored many years ago, Richmond from Uganda. And he shared about how the first time he, his, um, his dad was murdered in front of his mother and his mum, he knew his mum loved him, but she was so wrecked by that event as you would be that she'd never actually said the words to Richmond I love you he said I never heard those words and he said the first time I heard them were from uh, in in a letter from my sponsor she was a a 16 year old her name was Heather from the UK and she wrote and she said Richmond I love you I want you to know God loves you too and he said what that did in his heart was was life transforming for him Richmond today um, that was the start of a great journey for him Richmond today is is a pastor in Uganda and he has a network 
um, of of pastors and church leaders across East Africa that he trains and puts through some some formal training because they have not not a lot of the, not a lot of theological training there and about four thousand pastors go through that every year he started that and established that but it started with a letter from Heather that said Richmond I love you that opened up something in his heart and did something in his life so can I really encourage you um, this is not a a guilt but a, a challenge. Uh, to write letters to say, how hey, I'm going to write to my uh, write to my children. If we can go to the next slide, that would be great. So over the last 12 months, every child has had a medical checkup. Every child in the Compassion Program gets a Bible, um, and, and so they've. Um, uh, over the last 12, over a 12 month period, um, over 136,000 children worldwide in Compassion's ministry have come to Christ. Uh, I've started following Jesus. And, and for every child that does, on average, four family members do. So you're talking about um, over half, well over half a million people through the ministry of Compassion that have started following Jesus in the, in the last year. How good is that? Um, it, it's, it's so amazing. I, I count myself privileged to be a part of the ministry. Um, so these kids have spent collectively over 7,500 hours at um at the the compassion projects at the local church over the last year they've been fed over 1900 nutritious meals um so your sponsorship goes a long way um 48 a month that you set aside to, to sponsor time it goes a long way and it makes a a huge difference in the lives of the children and so i, I do want to say uh thank you for that can we go to the next slide that would be great um it's a nice picture there uh of some great kids and we go to the next one as well and the next one after that. Um, and so collectively, uh, you've given over $15,000 in the last 12 months as a church towards sponsoring these children in terms of sponsorship and the gifts. And that's a significant amount. And so um, thank you for that. Uh, again, I want to say thank you for your generosity. Um, you can go to the next slide as well. So I, I do want to say and I, um, to you this, this morning, if you haven't yet had the opportunity to sponsor a child, I would really encourage you in that. Um, we have a number of children. They're all from uh, Tag Bilaran City who are in need of sponsorship. We have uh, Sam Valerie here. Uh, she is uh, four years old, so she's in, in need of a sponsor, lives with her mum and dad. Her dad's sometimes employed as a labourer. The average monthly income in that area is $67 a month, so it's, it's not a lot of money um, for them to live off. Uh, and there's a whole lot of challenges, uh, health challenges and different things in the area. Um, and so if you'd like to sponsor a child, you can come to the, the table afterwards. And um, and I've, I've got a number of children there who are in need of sponsorship and love to have you as a sponsor. So, yeah, if you haven't had that opportunity, um, I'd encourage you to do that. Um, if you do, thank you already. I would simply ask you the question um, – what else can you do if there is anything else? If you are at the maximum of if, – if, if one child or two children or whatever it is that you're sponsoring is the maximum you can, um, that's fantastic. Thank you. If you've got room for another one, that's no pressure at all. But if you do, great. Um, and, and, and otherwise, maybe if you're at the capacity of what you can do, maybe you can just encourage others in it and, and, and share with others about it. Maybe if you're on social media, put, put a picture up, hey, this is the child that I sponsor. I want to encourage you, friends out there, if you'd like to. Maybe there's something you can do to help because it makes a, a, a huge difference in the lives of these kids. So thank you again for all you're doing as a church. We really appreciate that. And we hope to, to do a trip one day um, for you guys to go and visit these children as well. So um, I'll be there at the back afterwards if you've got any questions. So I might just show a, a, a short video now before I preach about uh, a young lady, Angeline, uh, from the Philippines, just to give you an idea um, of uh, just to see her story and, and what's happened in her life.
I was about to go to school. And when I opened the door, I just saw drugs and I discovered that my father was a drug dealer. Every time uh, my classmates ask me about my family or what's the occupation of my parents, I just, I don't tell them um, directly the truth and because I am ashamed. Uh, shabu, which is equivalent to a low-quality meth, is very rampant. We have children ages 11, 12, who starts taking drugs. I know that I would be encountering some problems with Angeline because Angeline is, uh, came from a, a very dysfunctional home. I counsel her, Angeline, just don't mind about what is happening in your family. Mind about yourself, mind about the Lord. Mind about everything what you are doing here. There was healing. I started um, confessing my sins and because I really felt the presence of God that time and it was really, um, it was new to me, that feeling and I know that God was really there and He was really um, touching my heart. Having a sponsor uh, is a great impact to me because it helps me being strong and it motivates me, it encourages me. For me, God is not just my Lord and my Savior, but God is my friend. If you look at Angeline, you look at Angeline as a worshiper. When she leads the worship, she will really lead the congregation to worship the Lord. I tell you, she said, when I have struggles, I will just worship the Lord and I'll, I'll be back. I'll be back to life. It's just great seeing the uh, the impact that it can have in, in someone's life. And Angela and like many uh, children that are, are sponsored come through and become leaders and, and mentors um, of, of the younger children in the program, which is just so great to see. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to read out of Matthew chapter 8 uh, this morning uh, as we... Um, as we look at a, a story about a, a man with leprosy who encounters Jesus, and uh, this story I, I hope is an encouragement to you, this message this morning uh, certainly ties in with the, the ministry of compassion, but I, I believe it also will apply to our everyday lives. So we're going to read it out of Matthew chapter 8, uh, verse 1. It says, When he, that's Jesus, came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. Uh, see, he just preached the Sermon on the Mount and, uh, and he's come down. So large crowds followed him. It says, a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cured of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Uh, you've got uh, a, a man with leprosy and Jesus has just preached his sermon on the mount. He's come down from the mountainside. It doesn't tell us if the, the man with leprosy was, 
was there or not, but he's come to Jesus just afterwards. He's obviously heard about Jesus in some way. I, I like to picture what it would be like to be there. Maybe the man with leprosy was sort of listening. He was on the outskirts because as, as a man with leprosy, he's not allowed around people in general. Um, and, 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 and he's heard about Jesus and he's done something incredibly courageous and bold in that he's, he's come to Jesus, uh, he's knelt before Jesus and, and, and asked him, if you're willing, you can make me clean. See, for a man with leprosy, he would have been in a position of uh, people with leprosy were outcasts. That they, they, if you read the the law in Leviticus <clears throat> about dealing with uh, people with leprosy, this man would have had to just to walk around anywhere. He has to tear his clothes, he has to cover uh, most of his face, and he has to everywhere he goes yell out "unclean, unclean, unclean," so that people would avoid him. So that people wouldn't catch the leprosy that he had, and 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 so and and with leprosy there was this great shame and stigma. It was it was seen as well. You you must have sinned greatly to have this affliction come upon you, and and so there was a not only a I, I don't want to be near you because I might. Uh, get leprosy that you have. It's also well. No, you're you're a sinner. You're you're a bad person. You you've done wrong. And there's so there's this deep sense of affliction. And, and so lepers were outcasts of society. But this man is brave enough to come somewhere where he can, he can hear about Jesus. But then decides to actually come before Jesus. He actually decides to come overcome his shame and his affliction and and all the rest and say I'm going to come before Jesus. There there would have been people as he's coming to Jesus. Like oh, backing away. Like don't don't want to be near this man at all. And he's he's willing to overcome the stigma and the shame around leprosy and and come before Jesus. Similarly, there's stigma and shame around poverty. There's stigma and shame about many things in in our society that might prevent us from coming closer to Jesus and closer to a relationship with him because of what people may think, because of the stigma, because of the opinion of others, because of what we may think about ourselves within poverty. There's this sense of real hopelessness and I'm not worthy. Poverty crushes the soul of a person. It leaves them hopeless. Richmond, who I was telling you about before, when he uh, was a, uh, when I chatted with him, I said, Richmond, before you were sponsored, when you were a, a child, a six, seven, eight year old, what was your dream when you grew up? He said, I, I didn't have a dream. I was just going to survive. I just wanted to survive the next day. And that idea that a child could be so hopeless to not dream. I mean, I, I have a 10 year old son. He has a different dream every week. Like it depends on the time of year. Um, right now his dream is to go on Lego Masters one day and win it. Like that's his dream. <clears throat> he just built a Lego Masters DeLorean out of Back to the Future that he made at home. He did a really good job with it because he saw it on the show and that's that's his dream. Um, you know, in summer it was to, I want to play cricket for the Brisbane Heat and then for Australia. Um, in a few, probably in a month's time, uh, whenever Ninja Warrior comes on, that will be the dream of the, of the week for him. He's just got dreams coming left, right and centre. He's got imagination. And, but poverty crushes that out of a child. And there's a sense of shame. And, and this leprosy would have crushed hope in this man. And, and I wonder how many other lepers maybe heard about Jesus but weren't willing to be as bold as this one and come and kneel before him. How many heard maybe the Sermon on the Mount <clears throat> from a distance or, and, but weren't willing to come to Jesus? You know, we all have our own shame and affliction to overcome. Mistakes we've made, some things that we've done, some things that are out of our control, 
things that want to rob us from a close relationship with Jesus and, and to be able to come to him like the man with leprosy did. To come and, and to kneel before him. <clears throat> you know, we all know ourselves the best, don't we? Like when we think, and, and, and we're probably all our own harshest critic. You know, because it's like, oh, well, you know, people think that of me, but they don't know what I think. I mean, wouldn't it be a horrible thing if everyone knew what every thought that we ever thought? No, thank you. I'll pass. But he does. And he loves us anyway. And he wants us to come to him anyway. But so often we let the shame of our own shortcomings, and we all have them, stop us from coming to Jesus, our own affliction. Maybe it's the the shame or thought of what others will think. Um, I'm a single dad with a a 10-year-old son. I, I never imagined I would be a single dad. I never imagined I would be divorced. I didn't see it coming. I, I didn't, you know, and, and, and for a couple of years after that, I, I was so like, oh, what, what, what are people going to think? It was like this shame that I hung around my own neck because I found the experience to be that everyone was full of grace and love and kindness towards me. Now, I, I've not had people, ooh. but in my head, there was this sense of, oh, well, you're not, you're not, who are you to try and speak or who are you to try and do this who because you know you can't because you don't have it all together and it's like we none of us have it all together but the thoughts and the enemy wants to try and stop us from coming but this leper this man with leprosy does something courageous he says i don't care anymore i'm putting aside the shame i'm putting aside the affliction i'm putting aside what people might think as i have to yell unclean and i'm coming and i'm kneeling before jesus And, and he stops before jesus and he says um, some amazing words. He says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And it was a statement of amazing faith in Jesus' ability and his power, but at the same time, incredible doubt about Jesus' willingness and his love. It was, it was Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. In other words, I know you can. I know, Jesus, you have the power to. I know you have the ability to, but I'm not sure if you want to. I know you've got the power. I'm not sure because how could you... You know, this affliction, do, do, you, do you want to for me? Do you, do you really love me? People don't often ask why God can't. As Christians, we, we, we don't really doubt God's power or ability. We would all give testament to God is able. God, God can heal. God, God's a miracle worker. But often we can struggle with, but would God want to with me? We might not verbalize that like this man did, but it was, I'm confident in your ability. I'm just not sure if you're willing. He understood the lordship and power of Jesus, but doubted his love. Many people recognize their need of a savior, but they're not sure if God wants to save them. Uh, My cousin is not a Christian. And uh, a few years ago, or probably probably seven or eight years ago now, he he started coming to church with, with my me and my brothers and the church we were at at the time and um, back on the Sunshine Coast and he started coming along and we would have discussions about uh, God with him, about Jesus, about what Jesus has done. And I'm like, uh, I said to him, do, do you want to become a Christian? Do you want to uh, talk through you know, the book of Romans with him and what it is to uh, our need of a saviour and what it is to surrender our lives to Jesus? So do you want to? And he's like, he goes, I want to, but I just need to get my life sorted out first. I'm like, no, you missed the point. 
Jesus loves you exactly as you are. He's accepted you as you are. But he couldn't get his his mind. He couldn't get his head around the idea that Jesus loved him as he was. He's like, yeah, I want I want that, but I've got to get it all together first. And I'm like, no. And he's he's still to this day not yet a Christian. I I, I believe that he will be one day, that he'll get a revelation of that, an understanding of that. But <clears throat> struggled with the idea of it. I, if I was, I don't know about you, but I would much rather someone doubt my ability than my willingness. If a child was drowning in a pool, I would much rather be able to say, I did everything I could, but I wasn't able to save them. I, I dived in, I grabbed them out, I, I did see, I did everything I could, I just wasn't able. Rather than someone say, I wasn't willing. Well, sorry, I've got a nice pair of jeans on today. My phone's in my pocket. I've got a watch. I, I don't really want to dive in. So sorry, guys, I'm just not willing. I mean, wouldn't that be a blight on my character? If I wasn't willing, I'd much rather people question my ability than my willingness. But this wasn't, this was more about how the man with leprosy saw himself. And for so many of us, our our question of the willingness of God is so often more of how we actually see ourselves. I know, God, that you can heal, but I'm not sure if I deserve it. I know you can bless me, but maybe you won't because of what I've done. And we can get caught up in the way that we think about ourselves. You know, one of Jesus' disciples, John, was referred to in Scripture as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Do you know the only place he was referred to as in that way? The book of John. John referred to himself in the gospel that he wrote as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Oh, that's awesome. Now, at first... Uh, as Aussies, we're not too sure about that because it's a little bit like, you know, if I got up here and said, the preacher who's amazing, you'd be like, come on, mate. What are you talking about? Like, be real. Like, we, we don't. But that wasn't what John was doing. It wasn't an arrogance. It was a, he had a revelation of how much Jesus loved him that he, he couldn't but help refer to himself that way because he, he knew how much Jesus loved him. In John 13, at the Last Supper, he refers to himself that, as that way. In John 19, at, at, the, at Jesus' crucifixion. In John 20, at the tomb, uh, he refers to himself that way. And he, he throws in there that he, the disciple whom Jesus loved won the race uh, with Peter to the tomb. He throws that in there as well. Um, in John 21, he, he, he talks about himself that way when the, they went fishing with Jesus. And also in John 21, when Peter uh, was restored in relationship with Jesus after denying him, John refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And, and typically when someone talks themselves up, certainly as Aussies were like, uh, uh, but this was a revelation of how much Jesus loved him. I don't think it's an accident that John then in 1 John chapter 4 writes some of the most amazing, well, in the whole book of 1 John, really the most amazing content about the love of God. It's a decent chunk of Scripture, but I want to read it to you here today. 1 John 4 verse 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his, own, his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 
No one has seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. It's this amazing passage about love that John had a revelation. John was able to love others because he, 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 he got how much God loved him. So often we focus on God, I love you, God, I love you. But we, because of the way we think about ourselves, we doubt his love for us. But when we can put aside how we think about ourselves and actually truly encounter Jesus and receive the love that he has for us, it changes the way that we think about ourselves and we have greater capacity to love others. Our love for others is no longer just out of self-interest because they might love us back because it will be reciprocated. Our love can genuinely be the God kind of love that is selfless. The, the agape love, if you, you know that word, to, 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 to love others with not looking for anything in return because it's the example that he sets for us. Back to the man with leprosy, he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. <clears throat> and, and, and he's doubting the willingness and love of Jesus here, but Jesus does something amazing. He doesn't just declare his willingness, he demonstrates it. And in doing so, he breaks all of the rules which I love that Jesus was a rule breaker. See, by Leviticus, go and read in Leviticus 14 and 15 about the rules around leprosy. By by law, Jesus should not have been with this man and he certainly shouldn't have touched him. That That was dead against the law. This man is kneeling before him, says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus doesn't just say, I'm willing. He, he says, he touches the man and says, I am willing be clean. He, he, not, he doesn't just speak his love, he demonstrates it. This man, as a, as a man with leprosy, has been an outcast for who knows, many, many years probably. And it's probably been a long, long time since he's felt the touch of another human being. And he's this Jesus who, by law and rules, is not allowed to touch you. So, so, but he's like, I don't care about that, I care about you. And he demonstrates his willingness and his love. And he touches his man. I don't imagine it to be sort of a, I am willing, be clean. It wasn't a, to, oh, has someone got some cloth or something? And I wrap my hand and I'll be willing. I, I don't know exactly how he touched him. Maybe it was the first handshake. I, I, I picture a hug. I picture, I picture an embrace. I picture a, a, you know, a, a, a grabbing a hold of the man. I'm willing. Be clean. And the me- what that man, for him, what that, that, that demonstrated. It demonstrated I'm willing. I'm willing to break all the rules to show my love for you. And he touches him and says, I am willing. 
be clean. The demonstration of love. Oh, I was in Indonesia last year and I met a, a, a 16-year-old uh, girl in the sponsorship Compassion Sponsorship Program called Tiki. And uh, Tiki, I uh, got to visit her house and her sponsors were there with me. And the first thing they wanted to do was show me their bathroom in their house, which if I came to your place, I would find that strange if the first thing you wanted me to I mean, you might, like, oh, if you need the bathroom, it's over there. But you, you know, oh, look at my bathroom. Maybe if you'd had it renovated and you knew me, but... If I'm there the first time, but they, she wanted to show me the bathroom because they had never had one. And on a previous visit, their sponsors had seen that and they'd seen that this girl who is now becoming a teenager, becoming a young woman, and her mother there had to, had to use the, I won't call it a, a creek as a nice description of what this was out the back. <clears throat> That's what they had to use um, for a young, for, for, that'd be bad enough for a guy, but for, for a mum and her daughter becoming a teenager, that, that's terrible. And, and so the, the sponsors were able to write, they didn't have the funds themselves, but they, they found a way to get the funds. And it was only $500. And, and they paid for this bathroom. They demonstrated the love. And, and they were so touched by it. And it was such an impacting thing for them, not just practically, but for their dignity. What they, they did is they demonstrated love. Jesus shows his willingness here and touches this man in a way that he hasn't had before. The embrace and touch of Jesus. And it says immediately he was cured of his leprosy. And then Jesus says these words, he says, See that you don't tell anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Jesus doesn't mean never tell anyone, but he means uh, the first thing I want you to do is go and show yourself to the priest. And I, I, I sort of wanted to understand this more. And um, to, to help understand it, you have to understand the way that this, the way that it would have worked when he was first um, told that he had leprosy and uh, the way that the system worked is that they would have to go and show themselves to the priest who would decide if they were unclean or clean, if they had leprosy or not. And, and often you didn't self-report. You were hoping that that little scab on you, because that's all it would have been to start with, that little scab there, maybe even on your neck or something, you would hope it would go away. You're, you're not <clears throat> self-reporting to the priest. In fact, somebody, is, somebody possibly a neighbour, someone you know is, is dobbing you in. And you're being brought before the priest to see if <clears throat> you are clean or not. You're dragged away from your family. This man may have had a family, his whole community, his friends. He's taken and, and he's going before the priest. And he knows if this priest decides he's unclean, that his life as he knows it is over and he is an outcast. He won't go back and see his family again. He won't be with his friends again. Maybe he was married. Maybe he had children. I, I don't know the exact circumstances. It doesn't tell us, but... But he's dragged out of his life and he's before the priest. And the rules were that the priest, if he declared you unclean immediately, you would have to tear your clothes, cover your face and shamefully walk through town to the, to the outcast place declaring unclean, unclean, unclean. If he wasn't sure, you might be in isolation for seven days and he'd check again. And, and, and so this man would have went through this process and be declared unclean and walked out of town with shame. And I imagine him knowing his priest there and maybe being, no, it's not, it's, it's not leprosy. It's just, a, it's just a scratch. It's just a scar. No, don't send me. Don't, don't send me out there. But this priest declares him as unclean. And all these years later, he experiences this overwhelming love and healing from Jesus. And the first thing Jesus says is, I'm actually going to give you an opportunity. 
to walk in that love, go back and show yourself to the priest. The priest that sent you as an outcast. I imagine there'd be some bitterness and unforgiveness there for that man with, who had leprosy to resolve. The first thing after encountering the love of Jesus is he gets an opportunity to walk it out. Because as John says, if we love him, if we really understand that he first loved us and that we love him, then of course we're going to love each other and our brothers and sisters. And he gets given this opportunity. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrated it. And so I have a couple of things to encourage you with and challenge you with this morning. First is lay aside the affliction and the shame and the mistakes of your past and really have an encounter with Jesus. Really let his love be known. He is able, but oh, he is so willing for you. He loves you so much. And whatever might be stopping you previous relationships, things that you've done yourself. Maybe maybe you're even, you've wound up in this church and you've had bad church experiences previously, whatever. Put it all aside. It all means nothing. Lay it aside. Don't let it stop you having that close relationship with Jesus. Let him, let experience the love that he wants to pour out on you. Don't reject it. Don't push it back. But secondly, once you've done that, Look for ways that you can demonstrate that love to others. Because if we've received his love and we say that we love him, like John says, then, then it's, it's, it's a given that we're going to love each other and love others. And so I'd encourage you, I'm obviously here with compassion and that's, that's one way and I would strongly encourage you to do that. But also say this is something to live out in your everyday life. This is something to do this week with people that you know, with your brothers and sisters. And I love in, 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 in your neighbours and your, your work colleagues and you, you name it. Because I, and I love that it says in, in 1 John 4, perfect love casts out fear. Because it, it means if I'm, and I've been so challenged with this, like I've got people in my life I'm, I'm starting to share about my faith with and share, I go to church with and, and different things. And I'm like, I'm so challenged because I, I, I the, the one reason I stop is fear, and fear is because I'm thinking about me. Because if it's perfect love, if I really love them like he does, I won't care what they think of me. I'll just want to share it. And, and so that's my encouragement to you this morning. Encounter Jesus yourself. Lay aside the shame, the guilt, the affliction, the, all the rest. He, he loves you regardless. And then out of that love, that place of being loved by him, demonstrate his love towards others demonstrate his love towards them. I'm going to pray for you and then I'm going to finish with a, 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 just another short compassion video. And the reason I picked this one to finish with is I just think it, it's, a, it's an amazing story that demonstrates a person who was struggling to receive the love of God, who did, and who's now demonstrating it towards others. Let me pray for you and then we'll play that and I'll, I'll hand back. Father, thank you for this church. I pray that every person here can receive your love, Jesus. Every person here can know what it is to be loved by you, that all things that get in the way can be laid aside. If there's, Lord, people here that are not yet Christians, Lord, who don't yet know you, I pray that they would know there's nothing they have to do, that it's a free gift, that they just turn to you 
Lord, and by your grace, they can repent of their sin and follow you, Jesus. And so I thank you for that. They can lay it aside and follow you, Jesus, because you love us. But Lord, then for everyone, I pray, stir us, speak to us today. Show us practical examples and ways, oh God, this week that we can walk out your love. And, and I want to thank you, Lord, for this church and what they do collectively in missions, Lord God, and, and in this partnership with Compassion to, to love children, Lord God, to demonstrate love through sponsorship, Lord God. I thank you for that as well, Lord God. Bless them, stir them up this week in this challenge, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.